This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Like most of you, I drive a car or a truck. Well, occasionally, I need tires or just a simple plug or patch. Well, my friends down at Just Tires is the place to go when that need arises. Give them a call at 727-585-9271. They have a convenient location right at 1645 Clearwater Largo Road. You can't miss them. So for all your tire needs, cars, trucks, trailers, new, used, or just a repair, give Just Tires a call. 727-585-9271. Oh, yeah, and be sure and check out their website, JustTires.net. Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Automobile Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric carts racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com. Name, Nowalski. Occupation, driver. Transporting a supercharged Dodge Challenger from Denver to San Francisco. Background, Medal of Honor in Vietnam. Former stock and bike racer. Former cop, dishonorably discharged. Now he uses speed to get himself up. To get himself gone. Everybody's after Kowalski. For one reason or another. Is there something I can do for you? Well, like what? Like anything you want. Everybody wants a piece of his hide. Maybe kill somebody. Maybe stole that big dude here. Maybe both. They want to get him and put him away. But they'll have to catch him first. Challenger being chased by the blue, blue meanies on wheels, the vicious packed squad car after our known driver, the super driver of the Golden West. The police numbers are getting closer, closer, closer to our soul hero in his soul mobile. They're gonna kill him, smash him, rip the last American hero. It's the maximum trip at maximum speed. Vanishing point. This is Mandrian Pace, number one car thief in America. He'll steal anything, anytime, as long as it's insured. Read my horoscope this morning. His front insurance investigation. His business stealing cars, and now he's got to fill the biggest contract yet. They deliver over 40 cars to the docks by Saturday. That's a sad start. To the list. You can lock your car, but if he wants it, it's gone in 60 seconds. Get down. Things don't always go as planned, even for a pro. Sometimes when you steal a car, you get more than you bargained for. Holy f- Who is it? Police! 
Fasten your seatbelt for what Carcraft magazine calls the most hair-raising chase scene ever filmed. Hollywood Reporter says it's a thrill a minute. You owe it to your car to see Gone in 60 Seconds. It's Grand Theft Entertainment. Gone in 60 Seconds. Rated PG. Dirty Mary, crazy Larry. You gotta keep on moving. No time to tarry. Peter Fonda and Susan George are Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry. There's nothing they won't try. Larry can drive most anything, some motor gun and shine. Average, the way he moves his old machine to drive so merry wild. Larry, what you call your crazy man, no chance he won't take. As for Dirty Mary, ain't no kind of loving she won't make. Yeah, merchandise on time. It's been delivered and it's just waiting. George, he says he'll kill us if you don't give him the money. Robbery's a dangerous business. But anytime you want out, you just holler. Mm. Hold on, baby. Law's gonna get you if you don't look out. At least they're gonna try. Hey, hold up! He's coming at you down every road, coming at you in the sky. And you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. We got a great show for you tonight, but in the meantime, run to your computers and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see it streamed live here in the studio. And uh, we got a great show. Hey, you know what? Don't forget, if you have access to the uh, your telephone right now and you have a TuneIn app, you can listen to us on your cell phone. Be sure and check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, obviously go to our website and then go to our podcast. You can hear all that good stuff. And I got some uploaded uh, pictures of some of the cool guests that have been on our show, plus a text, so it's pretty neat. And don't forget to go to our Facebook and like us on Facebook. Matter of fact, if you like or if you wish, if you're energetic, you can go ahead and leave us a comment. We will respond. Yes, sir, we will. And be sure and go to the stuff page and get yourself a t-shirt and a decal. We still have a few left. And we will accept PayPal. How about that? 
Or you can put a check in the mail, and we'll wait till it cashers, and then we'll send you the shirt and or the decal. Anyway, Cedric, how are you doing this evening? I'm I'm good. You're I'm good? A busy, I'm a busy guy. You're a busy guy. Okay. Hey, you're a daddy soon to be. Can I say that on the air? Yeah, I sure. Just did. Why not? Right, you well, just did. I just did. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, so uh, how's, your, how's your car running, by the way? It's running, man. Not bad for a thousand dollar clunker. That's true. You know, uh, well, I heard a squealing the other night when you were leaving. So is it okay? Uh, people hear it coming. It's just it's just to warn <laughs> people to get out of the way. Is that what it is? It's the mighty Saturn, huh? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, in case you just tuned in and if you're on time and you heard the beginning of the show, we played some vintage clips of some of the most famous car chase cult movies ever. Gone in 60 Seconds is probably the best one and truly a cult classic. My favorite, however, I think, even though I'm a Ford guy, I really fell in love with the the Challenger and uh, Vanishing Point. That was just one cool, I got to say this, I'm going to use the term, it's a California term, it's a bitchin' movie, all right? I mean, it was just really far out. And of course, Dirty Mary Crazy Larry. And uh, I'm sure you guys remember the days when we used to have drive-in movies around here. Cedric, do you remember drive-in movies? Uh, yeah, we used to have one in St. Pete on 28th Street. And, uh, they tore it down, I guess, about a decade ago and made it, turned it into a school or something. Well, wait a minute. Don't you go to the Mustang swap meet on weekends? Do they still have that there? No, they tore they tore that one down too. They still do the swap meet there, but there's no screen. Oh, the, really? the only uh, drive-in around here is over uh, over in Tampa. Oh, in Tampa. Okay. Uh, but anyway, they still do movies. They still do movies. Oh yeah. Really? yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. We got to hook up with those guys. Maybe want to do some advertising with us. Uh, exactly. And maybe do some promotional features or something like that. That'd be kind of neat. So uh, yeah, if you get a chance, look that up. I'd like to find I'll, out about them. I'll get them. you the info. Yeah, in a bit. please. Thank you. Um, but anyway, so Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, uh, back on East Bay Drive, back in the seventies, and the drive-in was called the Thunderbird Drive-in, if I remember correctly. Somebody can email us and correct me if I'm wrong. And that movie came out right about 1973. And at the time, I had the Mighty Ranchero. If you go to our website, you Google or Google, <laughs> go to uh, Snapshots. There's a picture of my Mighty Ranchero on there, white with an orange stripe on it. That car used to run 1280s, capped up with street tires in Clearwater. Now, granted, I had a set of 514 gears and a four hooker in that thing and a 12 and a half to one Boss 351 motor in it. But when it would hook, it would hook. And when it would go, it went and it went strong. So but anyway, we used to back that uh, Ranchero into the, you know, the uh, drive-ins back in the days had those little dips, you know, so you can kind of point the nose of your car or the bed of your car up, depending on, you know, which direction you pointed your car. You grab your speakers, you sat there in the back with your little sweetie, and uh, you sort of watched the movie, you know, and you had fun. It was kind of cool. Matter of fact, what we do is we would kind of like uh, carpool back in those days. So you'd get like four or five cars, and everybody, if you had a truck or a station wagon, everybody piled in the truck and the wagon. And um, so those were the good old days. I wish they'd bring some of that stuff back. But that was a cool movie, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. Uh, Vanishing Point, I actually saw that here in downtown Clearwater at the... Capitol Theater, which they actually are uh, revamping right now as we speak, right down down Clearwater, which has been taken over by, by Ruth Eckert Hall, right? Our friends over at Ruth Eckert? Not sure. Yep, it was playing there. I, that was back in the days, in the, in the 60s and 70s, you could go sit in a movie. You could pay, let's say, like a dollar going there and see the matinee, and you could sit there like all evening. You know, all after you could see the show over and over and over and over. By the end of the evening, you saw that show for like five times, and you were an expert. You knew every detail. And, uh, and of course, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. I'm trying to think, where did I see that one? That one might have been, I think that movie came out in 73, 74. So that might have been out on Golf the Bay back when we, uh, right about the time we had, um, I think, the movie theaters out there at the old uh, Clearwater Mall. My, how this town has changed since 1971. But that's another story for another show and another day. So that's my little history lesson and my trip back in time for all you guys. Hey, we had a fun weekend last weekend. We went over to uh, Fantasy of Flight. It was called the Mustangs and Mustang Meet, 
at Fantasy Flight, and I got a chance to talk with uh, Kermit Weeks, okay, and he is the, I guess you would say the proprietor and the the founder of Fantasy Flight. It's kind of an interesting, uh, it's the largest privately owned vintage airplane collection in the United States for sure, possibly in the world, I'm not sure, but he's got some amazing stuff. And probably the most amazing, and we are patriotic here, is the P-51 Mustangs that he had. And there was evidently three or four different versions of those planes. But he was out thundering around in those mighty warbirds and talking about them. And uh, it was a pretty amazing event because he brought a lot of stuff out. A plane that he brought out towards the end was a recreation of a 1916, 1917. It's called an Albatross, and it was made in Germany. And uh, it was like a little biplane. had a little machine gun on it. And the plane was totally reconstructed from from scratch, but he was able to somehow secure an original vintage, period correct, complete Mercedes-Benz aircraft engine for that thing. So although the whole plane is completely down to the little German-made rivets, or they look like rivets, they're called rivets, but they actually look like nails, that whole plane is 100% correct and accurate, and then the motor is the absolute correct period detail piece on that plane. So that's kind of interesting. But he was buzzing around in that. But anyway, after the show, I got to talk for a few minutes, and he will be coming on our show. So we'll get a chance to uh, get educated in the world of uh, aircraft, aeronautics, avionics, and uh, anything else associated with uh, buzzing around in the air there. So that, that's gonna, that'll be kind of a cool show. I'm looking forward to that. I don't really know much about airplanes, so it'll be kind of interesting. I like to fly, but uh, I don't feel safe. Something about, uh, I can't sprout wings when I'm up in the air, you know what I mean? Can't flap too well. If something goes wrong, I guess the only thing you could do is pray on the way down. Okay, let's see. What else is going on? Let's see. We just mentioned Fantasy of Flight. Ah, Festivals of Speed in Howie in the Hills. That's May 5th. We have the HSR Classic Motorsports Midi at Road Atlanta. That's uh, next weekend. And my friend Bob Tone... Out of Sarasota, Florida, he's involved with the pre-war speedster racing organization, okay? So they got an event at the uh, Bronson Speedway in Archer, Florida. I guess it's up near um, Gainesville. That's April 20th. So that's this weekend. So that's kind of cool because you see a lot of those early pre-teen cars racing, uh, early 20s, sometimes 30s. A few of these cars are original. Uh, many of the cars are reproduction or recreations, you know, based off early Model Ts and uh, maybe some miscellaneous Model A parts and stuff like that. But it's pretty cool to watch those cars go around. It's more exhibition racing. It's not real racing racing. Now, there are some real serious vintage race cars out there, but you rarely ever see those cars on the track. You might see them in Monterey, but chances are you're not going to see them around here, you know, at any uh, local event. Um, but it should be a lot of fun. So if you get a chance, check that out. That's pre-war speedster racing. They actually have a uh, website, so you can go check that out. But anyway, we got a real good guest for you tonight. Very interesting guy. Another TV guy. Okay. We got another TV guy coming next week. I'll mention him later in the show. So uh, I think we got something on the turntable. So we'll go ahead and round that up and then we'll get our guest on the air and uh, we'll be back in a short short.
listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you like to play golf, Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars Wednesdays at 7 p.m. It's Tim Strange, host of Spike TV's Search and Restore on the Power Block, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hi, this is Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. My name is Roger. Sir, may I be of some help? That's funny. My name is Roger. Two Rogers don't make a riot. <laughs> Roger, I have a problem. Yes. I've been in L.A. for three months now. I have money. I have taste. But I'm not on anybody's A-list, and Saturday night is the loneliest night of the week for me. Well, a Ferrari would certainly change that. Perhaps. Hmm. But you know, this is the one. Yes. Yes, yes. I saw three of these parked outside the local Starbucks this morning, which tells me only one thing. There's too many self-indulgent wieners in this city with too much bloody money. Now, if I was driving a 1967 275 GTB 4 cam... You would not be a self-indulgent meaner, sir. You'd be a connoisseur. Precisely. 
Champagne would fall from the heavens, doors would open, velvet ropes would par. I don't have one here. However, I do have one in the warehouse. Superb. What else do you have in the warehouse? Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And it's time to welcome our special guest of the evening. Let me tell you a little bit about this gentleman. He is a very serious car guy. He's been doing this since he was a kid. He comes from three generations of car guys. He co-produced the hit TV show Car Warriors for the first season and possibly the second. I'm not sure. We'll have to ask him when he gets on. He now has his own TV show that's featured every week, Tuesday nights at 10 o'clock on CNBC. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show the star of the hit TV show, The Car Chasers, Jeff Allen. Jeff, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you very much for having me on. How you been? Good, good. How's it down in Florida? We're hot and humid. How about, uh, how's uh, Lubbock, Texas? Well, we're doing good. The wind's not blowing and there's no dirt in the air, so it's a good day to get your hot rod out and go cruising. Super, super. Speaking of hot rods, what have you been working on lately? What kind of cars you got? Boy, we've got um, a few things that I can't really talk about because they're coming up in the next episode, but... Uh, We've got a line on uh, a 40 car collection that we're going to go be going to look at next week. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Super. Well, give us a little bit of background about uh, about Jeff Allen, and then your company is called Flat 12, right? Yes, Flat 12 after the Ferrari Flat 12 engine. So for those that didn't know what it is, and we get a lot of questions about that, that's what it stands for. Okay, Flat 12 as in the case of a boxer motor, which is a horizontally opposed Flat 12, correct? Correct, correct. Okay, definitely. not the front engine V12, which is the true Ferrari, right? <laughs> Well, there you go. That's that's one way of looking at it. I, I believe that these engines did start out with Enzo racing in Formula One, you know, and and, and all that, and the Grand Prix racing. So I kind of go back to that throwback with that. And, you know, I was, I was a product of the 80s, and, you know, one of the biggest cars back then was the Testarossa. So What's, forgive me for that. No, that's okay. No, it's okay. Hey, well, and, of course, Miami Vice made that car famous, right? Oh, boy, did they ever. Did they ever. So all I wanted when I grew up was, you know, to wear no socks and a sports coat and drive around in a white Testarossa. There you go. Well, now tell us a little bit about your background. How'd you get hooked on the car thing? I mean, what uh, what got you? What, what was the bug that bit you? Well, the, the bug that bit me was being born into this family. I'm, I'm third generation. Um, when I wasn't hanging out with my dad or my uncle, uh, I was with my grandfather, and he started all this mess, and we would travel all around the country picking up cars, dragging them down to old Mexico. Back in the day, it was safe. You could go to Juarez and get a paint job and interior and bring them back up and he was taking them to auctions and selling them and and so i just i was raised in the business and i thought it was normal you know i'd I'd watch my parents change cars you know every couple weeks or every you know couple months and i thought that was normal so i got addicted to it like that and i worked at my dad's shop in the back detailing cars and doing some mechanical stuff and at the age of 13 he came to me and says hey you've been saving up all this money what do you want to do with it i said i want to go out and buy my first car and uh i did at 13 years old i bought a 69 numbers matching the 28. Good car. Oh, yeah, it was a great car. Great. I wish I would have got to drive it, though. That's the catch. That's the catch. What color was it? It was Cortez Silver. Beautiful Black color. stripes. It had a uh, couple different options on it, which were kind of neat. It had the eight grand tack, and uh, the car was just, it was a beautiful car, and it was just way too fast. And my dad got a little nervous when I was turning 15, and in Texas, you can get your hardship license, and I was going to be driving that car to and from school every day, and he's like, no, I think you'll kill yourself. So. Oh, that's a shame. 
Well, yeah, but here's the deal. We sold it, and I made so much money on it at the time. You know, I bought the car. Here's the funny thing about it when you look back at these times. I bought the car for $3,500. We sold it for $8,500 two years later. Basically, you know, bled the brakes, put new tires on it, and that was it. We didn't do anything else to the car. So here I am. I'm making, you know, $5,000 flipping my first car at 15 years old, and I was like, this is cool. And I immediately went out and got a GMC pickup truck that was almost nearly brand new at the time, and that was really officially my first car because that's the one I originally drove to and from school. Wow. Now, were you kind of a tinkerer, a wrench, so to speak? I mean, did you wrench on the cars a lot yourself or what? I do, and it, it comes from my dad. He's a, he's a big-time mechanic from the time he was in the Air Force. He was, uh, he was a mechanic on airplanes, and he always tinkered with cars. And so um, whether I wanted to do it or not, that's, that's what I learned as I was growing up. Okay. So was it kind of a natural thing, or did you have to kind of work at it? I kind of have to work at it because there's a certain point in me. I love the thrill of the chase, just like you do. I love going out and finding these cars, and and I love bringing them back to life. But at this point, I don't like to get as dirty as I used to. You know, there's a lot of people that come on your show that are great, great car builders. And I don't, I don't ever put myself in that realm because I'm, I'm a little lazy nowadays. No, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different, uh, different side of the business, so to speak, really, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. I like to, you know, I've got, um, Perry who works with me and I've got Eric and, and I let them do the hard work. And then I sublet out a lot of my paint work. Now, did you? Now, last night your show was on. It comes on. It's every Tuesday night. It's on CNBC. At least here in our area, it is. And it is. I think it comes on like around nine o'clock or ten o'clock in the evening. So last night they showed, for example, as you mentioned, you subbed some work out the 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 fifty three Mark, and you had some paint work done on that car. Yes. Yes. Megan and I had gone round and round over why that car wasn't selling the way it was. We had a, a gentleman fly in, look at the car. Everybody would migrate at the time to the 51 uh, Vicky that we had with the scallops. And so Meg had the feeling that that flat, you know, beautiful blue, you know, flat paint just wasn't popping enough. So we decided we were going to take it down and get some scallops done. So we took it to my good buddy Roy and um, started scheming on how we were going to do it. And then all of a sudden, one of the painters decided to lift some of the tape because I wasn't happy with the line they made. And it started lifting off the original (laughs) satin paint. So so it got a little hairy there for a while. But, you know, the guys pulled it out. They did a beautiful job. And they had the done in, in like record time for me so it really worked out you beat that guy up pretty bad you know 350 bucks for all that work that was a pretty good deal <laughs> I, yeah I, I know don't tell, i hope he's not listening <laughs> all right well now let's back up a second now you were involved now, this is not your first show you were actually uh, involved in car warriors tell us a little bit about that how that came to fruition then we'll jump into car chasers and you can introduce this cast so to speak well okay great uh perry who um is on the show and uh he's he's my partner we travel around and we do this a lot with the buying and selling cars and we're constantly going between texas and california i was literally at an auction in dallas and he calls me up and says look i just landed the job as a supervising producer for a new television show that's coming out and they these crazy people want to build two cars in 72 hours <laughs> and i go they're not you know overhauling had a hard time pulling it off and now you want to cut the time down to 72 hours and it was non-stop no sleeping 72 hours well anyway after a few more phone calls going back and forth perry saying hey i really need your help on this 
I hop on a plane and I hate to fly. And the next thing I know, after that auction on Monday, I was in California working 18-hour days to pull this off and put the show together. And that's really how I got on the show side of it. And, uh, and that show, I was behind the camera. And I, I pretty much produced it and helped set up all the trade-outs that went along with all the, the parts and everything you saw on the show. I, I actually went out and purchased all the cars you saw on that show. And uh, it got so overwhelming at one point that I, I insisted that we bring Megan. And I <laughs> had her fly out. And the day she landed, I put her to work because the show was nonstop. We were, we were constantly building cars for 72 hours, switching out camera crew and everything. And Perry and I at that time were working at least 20 hours a day. My. Yeah. It was very strenuous. But anytime you're going to do something at that level and that magnitude and try to pull it off, it, it is crazy and it's a lot of work. And we had some great all-stars that were picked out for the all-star team. And in the first season, it was all-stars against unknown shops or, you know, shops that were known, but they weren't they weren't on that, that big of a scale. And it was like, you know, the Joes versus pros type philosophy for okay. speed. And it was cool. And um, we came back a second season and, and the network said, Speed said, you know what, let's do, let's do Joes versus Joes. Let's get rid of the pros and let's try it out. Let's do a heads up one. And that was even cooler. But then they threw a wrench in. They go, okay, guys, we want you to cut the time to 48 hours. <laughs> Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. But you know what's interesting about it? The second season, you didn't see as much wild stuff being done, I think, because of the time constraints. But the cars were actually, they came out, they were just... You know they were better. They were do- they were done better. You know you, you're not going to cut up a Chevelle or a Nova or a Camaro and hack the roof off. You know I think we had one episode where somebody did that on a Trans Am. But you know those those cars were actually because we used all American muscle that year and it really kind of pulled it off in 48 hours and we had some really good cars out there. Wow, no, that's a pretty good show. Matter of fact, next week Jimmy Shine's coming on. Oh, so. Jimmy, he's a great guy. Uh, we, you know it's funny because I was instrumental in getting him on the first season with George Barris and uh, it was it was on with Mad Mike and and I wanted somebody to represent, you know, the up and coming uh, car guys. And not that Jimmy's up and coming, but he appeals to a broad range. You know, you've got, there's little kids that are running around with their hair slicked back with the, what we call the Jimmy Shine starter kit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, with jo- you, one end we had George, you know, which is the king of customs. And then the other end we had J- Jimmy Shine and we had Mad Mike is, is more of a comedic, uh, another uh, character on that show. And that was great for the judging for the first year. And then the second year we just went with Jimmy Shine. And they liked his approach, they liked his attitude, and they just wanted to cut it back to one judge. Super. Well, now, then how did uh, Car Chasers come about? Tell us about that a bit. Well, it's funny, you, Megan uh, actually wrote this show back in 2004. And it, it was it would kind of floundered around in Hollywood a little bit, and it didn't really ever grow legs and move. And then all of a sudden, car shows were dro- were dropping. You know, for a while we had uh, a ton of car shows on, and it was great. And then all of a sudden, they started evaporating, and um, so it kind of got shelved. And then after the resurgence of Car Warriors and, and being in that environment, uh, in between, you know, d- doing that show and doing some other shows behind the camera, people are like, man, you know, with what you guys do in your regular life outside of producing. That's a show. And I said, I, I've said that for years. I'm glad you see it. And that's kind of how it developed. And then Perry and Megan um, and a gentleman by the name of David Leapson all collaborated on it and uh, pulled it off. Now, how much time and preparation goes into each show? And then what and how much say so do you have in, in, in the actual production of this show? Your show. I, I have a lot of I have a lot of say so in the production. I don't have a lot of say so in what they edit. Um, but I would say that I've got about eighty five percent say so in the production because being that this is a little different, we're on a we're on a news channel, CNBC, and 
being that they wanted is real and you know reality shows get a bad rap nowadays you could be the most real reality show out there and everybody says it's phony well i'm here to tell you i bought every one of those cars and every one of those cars that sold on there really sold so and it was my own money <laughs> so it's a little bit different than everybody else's so i did have a little more creative control because i wasn't just going to go out there and buy some nondescript car because of you know producer said this will be good for tv just to add my two cents and then being the car guy and also being in the business, I will say, and I'll say this for the sake of your show and to all my listeners, that of all the shows that I've watched on TV, your show is probably the most accurate. And I'll give you an example. In your very first show, the episode with the Ferrari 308 GTB, mm-hmm. you, know, you bought the car in the low 20s, which was really the money on the car, you know, low mm-hmm. 20s, and you sold it you know, in the high 20s, which is really the money on the retail end. So that's about as accurate as you can get. And all your other shows, I mean, you're right on the money. Your negotiation style, the way you handle it, I mean, everything is... Pretty much the way we do. The way you load your pockets, stack your pockets when you go to the swap meet. We all do that. I mean, that's just the way it is. So it's a great show, and I really, truly like it a lot. Oh, I appreciate that. It's great to hear another car guy say that because, you know, anytime you're on on TV, you're opening yourself up for all kinds of abuse, I say. And uh, believe me, there's been people that say, there's no way you bought this car for that. And then then I I got in trouble the other day. uh, Somebody said, oh, man, you're beating up the old lady over 300 bucks on the Catalina. (laughs) So you never know. And then other people will chime in and go, you didn't make enough money on those cars. So I don't think you can win. No, but that's just the way it is. And just like at the auction last night on the TV show, I mean, you didn't do too good on the Merc, and you didn't do too good on the... Uh, I mean, I, I didn't do too good on the... Porsche. Uh, the Porsche. The Porsche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you broke even on that one. So, But the, yeah. but the, on the Chevy truck, you did good on that, and on the uh, little coupe, you did pretty good on the hot rod, street rod. Yeah, the hot rod, I, I really thought the hot rod in this market would have brought over twenty grand. Um, it was a pretty nice car. That car was built several years back, and, you know, by by that time, when I bought the car, if it had any filler in it, it would have fallen out, you know. <laughs> so I felt like it was a pretty solid car, and um, by putting the tri-power in, in, we got a lot of Moon Eyes equipment on that car, and we, what they didn't show in the show, and which it kind of bummed me out, was we completely gutted that car and redid all the interior in it, and uh, I know that we just didn't have time in a 42-minute program, but it would have been really cool to show that and show the world how we really transformed that car a lot. Now, would you say, because you're out west and I'm here in Florida, you know, I I tell people that, you know, when you buy a car from out west, generally you're getting a a much more solid car for the most part, okay, and it pays to step up and buy a better car to begin with and to try to hang a bunch of reproduction sheet metal on on a muscle car or any kind of car here and then try to redo the whole car. Would that be a fair statement? That's a correct statement. I always say this, and I don't mean any offense to Florida. I love Florida, but I always say the West is the best when it comes to cars. I like that. The West is the best. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, and, and the reason is because you know I, I, I grew up between uh, West Texas and I grew up between Southern California. And I tell you, I mean, I go out there and I buy my cars all the time, and, and I have to do a lot less to them to get them ready for sale than I do even when I buy cars locally here. What's your criteria? I mean, if you had to decide- describe the caliber cars that you like to buy what's what's the criteria car that you like to get and in, in terms of vintage in terms of vintage yeah oh um boy it's it's, it's kind of a wide open palette for me because you know i'll go out and buy a i bought a 1912 huckster and then i'll turn around and buy a you know 2007 lamborghini you know and, and i'll do it all in the same breath oh, wow. so I kind of cover the whole spectrum, and it's because I just enjoy cars. I enjoy all kinds of cars. I mean, I get a lot of grief from a lot of people because I'll, I'll say, oh, I'm going to look at a DeLorean today, and they're like, DeLorean? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and, you know, for some weird reason, I like the cars. I do. Uh, Meg can't stand them, but that's, you know, 
neither here nor there. I think there's money to be made sometimes, and, uh, you know, they're not always the prettiest cars that you well, make the most money on. Well, they're kind of a cult car, too, you know, and, uh, and obviously the term flux capacitor, you know, everybody can relate oh. to that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the keys, too, right now, and, and I'm glad the show has, has let me breathe and show this, is I'm not dealing in $100,000 Shelbys, which I can be. We have some right now. I'm dealing in cars that any guy out there, that's, whether he's starting out tomorrow or he's been in this game a little bit and he's doing one, onesie, twosies, as I call it, you know, the, the I call it the garage flipper, the guy that goes out, buys the car, tinkers with it a while, and then he sells it and makes a little money and then buys something else. Mm-hmm. I I like that. I, you know, I, I tell everybody all the time when they're starting out. You know, don't go out there, take your nest egg and invest it in. You know, if you got ha- if you got half a million dollars, don't go out there and buy five hundred thousand dollar cars and expect to make money. You're better off to buy twenty thousand dollar cars and under, and you can turn those a lot faster. The, and I think you, you probably know the same yeah. thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's like um, somebody said to me the other day, they go, hey, we watched the episode the week before, and you, and you, you had a, a Nova clone Yanko, and you had the uh, Cobra kit car. You know, there's a lot more money to be made in the real deal. And I go, yeah, but there's not a lot of people with that deep of pockets right now. You know, and you can definitely turn uh, a big block Nova that's a made-up car pretty darn easy for the low 20s to mid 20s, and, and and you make a decent profit on the car and move on. And same with uh, kid cars. I, I'm not a, I'm not offended by any kind of car. That's that's why I'll go buy a kid car. I'll go buy uh, something strange. I've got a London taxi cab that I bought the other day that you'll see in the next episode coming up. And <laughs> why I don't know. It just it kind of hit me and struck me, and I go, hey, I think I can make money on this. The, the, we use the term in the business, and I'm sure you use it too. Too, uh, money's made in buying, not selling. So obviously, yeah. you, you got to buy right in order to sell right. But now, would do you buy a lot of cars off private guys, or do you shop at auctions a lot? I do shop at auctions, but I I, I shop mostly at dealer auctions. Okay. Every once in a while, I'll pick up a car at a collector car sale. But I have the philosophy of this: I, I go if I'm going to an auction, I go to sell. I'm not going to buy, and 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 I believe you don't do both at the same place. Okay. Uh, I don't I don't think it's cost effective. So if I'm taking my cars here to sell, that's because I believe that they're going to bring the most money there, or I hope they do. And I definitely don't want to buy in that market. I want to go buy my stuff off the street, off the corner, and then take them to the auctions to sell. Let me ask you a question: the cars that you buy, okay, and let's say you buy it off the street corner out of some guy's garage how much in all honesty because you know it's it's deceiving now i go to auctions a lot so for you and i we know what how it works but let's say if you had to explain to a listener or somebody on the street how nice do those cars really have to be to bring decent money at the auctions compared to what it looked like when you got it let's just say it was an edgy kind of turd it's deceiving isn't it it, it is it is and and, and, and you'll see because you'll see, and it's funny because you'll see things like I'll read the market reports, and um, you'll see 69 Camaros, for example, because it's an easy one to pick on. And you'll say, hey, the last month there was 10 of them that went through these different collector car auctions. And they ranged from anywhere from one selling for twelve grand to one selling for 100000 And I always tell people it's got to be on the condition of it. Um, obviously, the, t- the $12,000 car wasn't altogether there, but who knows what it started with, you know? And so I'll take something, and I try to make it the best that it can be, and then I go in with the mindset, look, this car is an A, B, C, C car, and I'll, I'll grade them on that scale. A is, I, I've never, and I say to this day, I've never owned an A car. You know, to me, that's a Pebble Beach concourse car. Most of those, are, I think, are parked in Jay Leno's garage. <laughs> um, they're not in mine. 
So I've had a bunch of B and C cars, and I always grade them, and I know what I'm going into, and I go, you know what, this car is not going to pull that kind of money because it's not perfect, but this is what it is, and this is the best I'm going to make of it, and I go with that philosophy. And I'll, you know, I'm bad because I'll even point the flaws out when I'm at an auction. Somebody will walk up to me and go, hey, what's what's wrong with this car? Well, it's got a little bit here, a little bit, you know, needs a little touch-up paint here, you know, because I, I believe that that person um, will always come back to me or, or buy from me again because I'm so honest and open with what they're getting and I think everybody likes that I, on our online ads that we always say that they're better than described because they are so people get them they're happy and you know maybe I'm not making quite as much money as I could be but I'm happy and I'm moving on and I think everybody else is getting a good deal when you do the show because um, your show really makes a lot of business sense even to mm-hmm. the untrained person that's kind of trying to figure out what's going on is that kind of in the back of your mind when you're actually doing the show is that kind of the premise okay we're going to be on a news channel we're going to be on a financial station so to speak we want to be this as real as possible yes yes okay. oh yes that's 100 percent true that was that was one of the things that i was so excited about cnbc jumping on it because i didn't you know i mean who who doesn't want to be a part of duck dynasty sure i would love that i would love to grow a beard run around in camouflage <laughs> and do goofy stuff and get paid a lot of money and it's not a real business but on a business network it needed to be real and i was so excited that they gave me the freedom to do that and you know and i say the freedom they also said okay here's the catch you're going to use all your own money which is you know it's good because then i'm not you know there's i'm getting a lot of heat for when i went to midland people are like why did you pass on that on that uh you know bel air for 25 grand i think you could have made money and i'm like you know what i think at 20 it was a deal 25 i might have been you know hurting myself to squeeze out of it so and those are just the chances you take and i think that's cool because we have a lot of fan interaction on it and they're like wondering why i did this and why i did that and you know who really knows what's in my head (laughs) at the time you know yeah well no and the other thing about your show too there's no real drama in there i mean if there is it's very little and it's kind of real you know what i mean it's just the the trials and tribulations just like the paint that peeled off the uh the the side of the roof last night you know i mean that's that could happen you know that's oh yeah 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 i laugh because you know you've been around this for a while too and the car guys and uh, i laugh about this because after the first episode i heard somebody you know went online on the ferrari chat you know forum and said oh the producers probably put the dent in the roof on the ferrari and i'm like i wanted to go in and respond but i didn't but i wanted to let them know if anybody knows me they would know that that's never going to happen you know i treat my cars like children and uh when that dent and that car came off the truck i mean i was sick you know because yeah the car was a color change it had the quarter valve wheels um but it was such a nice and well done and good driving solid car that i would never in a million years let somebody damage it for drama on tv and that was an honest mistake too wasn't it yes he you know actually the guy was about my size he, he was about six four and uh he actually put his elbow in the roof getting out of it in an enclosed truck and that can and, happen yeah and, and you know those alloy bodies i mean they're, they're going to give you a lot more flex and and it just gave in at that point and it was just it was on that edge that's really tough to get out and it was a, it was a tough call but we had literally by the time we got the cars here and going to the auction was i think it was about four days so even with the dent guys coming in they wanted to pull the windows out and the headliner down and i was like i'm not this isn't gonna work you know did you have one of those dent masters come out and do it then well, actually, what we did was um, we had some uh, a body shop guy brought some suction cups over, and we pulled out as much as we could. Okay. 
And then we went from there because everybody was so scared of that Ferrari pulling the headliner out. And they were telling me I had to take the quarter windows out to get the headliner out to get to it. And by the time it was just like becoming more of a mess. And I was I was so concerned with the deadline that we had to make for the show and for the auction. Going to have a car show up with no headliner in it and no quarter windows. <laughs> All right, let's go to the show. Though. Let's talk about the cast. Now, tell us who Megan is. I know who she is, but for our listeners. Oh, Megan. Megan is uh, she's my significant other. Um, I call her the wife because she gets all the money, but we've been engaged for 18 years, and um, everybody always thinks that's kind of strange, and, and we look at it as she wanted to, we talked about getting married, she she said, well, how much are we going to spend, and she's the saver of the two of us, and she said, I'd rather have another horse, and I said, I'd rather have another car, so we went with that approach. Okay, that makes sense. Now, she yeah. is also a writer, a photographer. Tell us a little bit about her background. Oh, yeah, she's an automotive journalist for 12 different magazines. Um, and, I, you know, here's one of the deals, guys, and I'm telling you, if you're a car guy, listen to me really good on this because I should go online. I can help a lot of people in their relationships on this. When I met her, she was going to college and she was running a hotel, and I was actually running a dealership at the time. And I, she could never understand why I had to break dates with her. And in the retail world of sales and car dealerships, you know how you work hours and you leave when the last customer leaves. So what I did was I got her out of all that and I put her as a finance manager at another show and I dropped her right into the frying pan into the car business. And the cool thing about that was, Robert, a couple months later, she's calling me up saying, hey, I'm running late. I can't make our date tonight because they have a car deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was cool. And then it kind of evolved from that. Um, in 2002, I decided to retire from the retail end of sales and do my own thing. And uh, a good friend of mine was uh, one of the editors for Hot Rod Magazine and some other magazines vet and he started calling me up because they were doing, this is when all the manufacturers were bringing out pretty cool you know the GTO was coming out the new Mustang and everybody wanted to do comparison articles and I happened to have you know a 66 tri-power GTO, I happened to have a 70 Dodge Charger 440 pistol grip car so people would uh, hire us to come out and then they would you know Megan started taking photos and one thing led to another, people found out she could write and then boom next thing you know she's doing articles left and right for different magazines and it was really cool because then it it kept me in my hobby <laughs> <laughs> that's super now eric now eric he's the mechanic or he's kind of like the the guy that runs around in the, in the lab coat tell us about him and his background a little bit Oh man, Eric! You know, I was I was fortunate to run into Eric six years ago. Um, Radio Shack Corporate was having downsizing, and they laid the poor kid off. And uh, I actually hired him to clean out my barn and fix some stuff around my house because you know I, I liked the kid. He was you know, but I didn't know how because he's such an introvert. I didn't know how much this kid knew. But the more I kept testing him on certain things. Um, he just kept excelling at it. And, and, and the, the prime example was we bought seven cars one day. Meg and I bought these from an estate sale, and they were all going out to be on a movie called The Runaways. Um, with, uh, it was about uh, with Joan Jett and all that stuff. It's about her history. And so all these cars I bought were heading out. Well, one of them, we were having problems keeping it running, and it was an old Datsun, a very rare Datsun. And uh, we couldn't find an alternator in time, and here he was. He rebuilt it. He rebuilt it. 
Yeah. And I thought, well, that is strange. And uh, so the next thing I know, I, I bought an XKE right here in town, a 1969 XKE uh, coupe, and it hadn't run in years. And it had all kinds of electrical problems, as most of those old Jaguars do. And I tell you what, I came back two days later, and Eric had every light, every gauge, everything electrical working on that car as if it was new. That's amazing. Yes, it was, it's completely amazing. And his, the way his brain functions, which is different than ours, um, you know, you saw the Ferrari last night on the right. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sadly enough, it wasn't a two-hour episode because Eric single-handedly did a 30K service on that Ferrari. Oh, wow. And he's never done one before. So there's nothing I can't put past the kid. He he jumps into everything. He's gung-ho, and if he doesn't know it, he figures it out. Wow. Now, we got a few minutes left. Tell us about uh, Perry, his big claim to fame. Well, Perry is the, you know, I always say Perry's kind of, we used to call it, his nickname's Grumpy, and the reason we always call him Grumpy is because he's like, oh, I don't know why you like that car, and, you know, I went out and I bought a bunch of movie cars one day, and Perry went and picked them up for me, and he's like, you know, these cars, they're only good for one thing, and that's pipe ramps and rolling them <laughs> over, and and I'm like, no, Perry, they're really cool. He is a grumpy stuntman that is a complete artist. If you let him go to town on a car or on a motorcycle and the checkbook is wide open, you're going to come back and have a huge problem because he will go build that to the, it'll be the nines by the time it's done. Oh, no kidding. Oh yeah. I mean, I, the first, the, the first meeting with him is he, he, I, when I first met him, I went to his house and he showed, he pulls out this motorcycle and I'm not kidding. It was a 200 horsepower, you know, Harley with a supercharger on it. And everything on this car was top notch, even down to the Geiger paint job and the real alligator seat. I mean, everything was crazy. And that bike actually was in Transformers, uh, Revenge of the Fallen. And I ended up selling that bike for him, um, probably like a year or two after that. And, uh, you know, the bike, the bike brought 55,000 plus the buy fee. Wow. And that's a lot for a bike, but I'm telling you, the bike, I mean, if you looked at it, you would say, man, what is there, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 just in parts? I mean, it was crazy. Now, speaking of bikes, do you buy and sell a lot of bikes? I mean, do you ride bikes yourself? Are you into them or you're not? I, I, I buy bikes. I don't ride a lot of them because being that I'm 6'5 and almost 300 pounds, I, I look like, I, I don't even know how to describe it to you, but it doesn't look pretty when I'm riding down the road. McGilla Gorilla comes to mind. There you go, exactly. So I haven't met a bike that fits me yet, and believe me, I've tried a lot of them. I, Tony Gwen, I had his uh, home plate bike, his Road King, that the uh, uh, Padres gave to him, and um, I had a couple other bikes from Transformers, and then we just had, which was on the show, the first episode we had the transformers i mean i'm sorry the terminator 2 3d fat boy oh really that, Ar- that arnold wrote in the, the you know when you go on the ride they did that little movie intro mm-hmm. with the kid and yeah. arnold and this was the bike from that and uh actually perry was a stuntman in t2 so in the first episode i had him ride it up on stage and put the leather on and the chaps and everything and ride it up and, and with the shotgun it really looked cool how, how many cars do you normally keep in stock in your shop in your store, you you have kind of like a small retail location, right? Yeah, I do. The the show the store houses about stuffed would be about fifteen. Okay, usually there's like twelve, and then depending on the season and what I can get away with with Meg, um, my car inventory will be like anywhere from twelve to fifty. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And how many cars a year would you say you turn conservatively? Um, it's probably got to be somewhere in the close to a hundred, or maybe a little more. 
Well, that's a, that's a that's a good it, amount. That keeps it, you busy. It does. It just depends on what I'm doing. Like show wise, like if you went off last year's, I think I only did like fifty or sixty cars because we did six months of a uh, production on a television show, so I wasn't even around. What's the mix? What percentage of it's classic muscle cars? What percentage of it's late model cars? It's probably lately. I would have to say it's a sixty being muscle cars. Uh, percent to 40% of the Europeans and the rest of the mix. Really? Okay. Uh, and then a lot of cars, you know, another part of my business, which you get to see a little bit of it with, is my dealing with my dad. They call him Round Man with the square deal. And uh, the, the reason that is is because, you know, their lot over there, they have about 85 cars on the ground. Uh, and then they have a warehouse a few miles down where they have some more cars in there, the, some of the higher-end stuff that they won't let sit out. And, um, you know, if there's a late-model car, like give, for example, that Neiman Marcus commercial, that was on one of the episodes and there was only a hundred of them. I didn't see enough profit in it for me to, to, to jack with it. And one, it was purple and it was a Neiman Marcus car. So it was a lot easier for me to pick up the phone and sell the car to him. And I do a lot of that over the phone. Okay. So you wholesale a number of cars as well then? Oh yes. I mean, a ton, you know, I'm getting calls all the time. Um, from different dealers because I worked in from 1990 right out of high school till 2002 I was in the retail side of dealerships I ran them uh, and so I've got a lot of connections and anytime there's a funky trade or just something weird or oddball I get the first call which is cool I just got a call last night on a 2010 you know Camaro uh, SS and people go well, that's not abnormal yeah this one is it's got 800 horsepower oh okay and it's yeah with a su- supercharge and you know and uh, so I get the first call on that stuff and that's that's kind of stuff that we like to deal in. That's super. Now, how far do you travel? I mean, how far will you go to get a car? Farthest I've ever gone to get a car has been 1,400 miles. 1,400 miles? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you'll drive up to Chicago or someplace like that. That's about it. That, you know, I don't mainly go pat east. I, I mostly all the time okay. it's heading north. It's heading west. Okay. You know, I'll either go, you know, I've gone to Colorado. I'll go to Oklahoma and New Mexico, Arizona, and then all over California, north and south. Okay. Just like you said, the best is in the west, right? Yeah. And I always just tend to, that just seems to be the direction. And then I have the connections out there too. Because, you know, if I had to do all this on my own, it, it would be a lot rougher to be located here in Lubbock. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe Meg's dad, who was also featured on the show, he looked right. like Santa Claus. Yeah, with the big Dodge uh, truck and the trailer. He's out looking at a car for me right now as we speak, as, as we're doing this. So, And he knows what I want and what I'll accept. And it's very easy for me to just to wire him the money, have him go pick it up, and then I'll send a truck. Okay. Well, we're just about out of time. Jeff, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, and thank you would, for having me on the show. Would you be willing to come on again sometime? we got so much more to talk about. Anytime. Okay. Well, I want everybody to tune in to CNBC and watch The Car Chasers with my new friend and buddy here, uh, Jeff Allen, and say hi to Megan and Perry and those guys. And if I ever get out, what well, chances are I might see in Monterey or maybe SEMA or someplace like that. But uh, you got a great show, and uh, I'd love to have you on again. In the meantime, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And be sure to visit our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. I want to see you guys at some of these car shows. Stay safe. Drive carefully. Love your family. Be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio Cars next week when my special guest is Jimmy Shine from the hit TV show Car Warriors. We chased our pleasures here, dug our treasures there. I can't still recall the time we cried. Break on through to the other side. Break on through.